You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 266th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 868th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of September 22nd, 2022. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred today at the Media Day event hosted by the Athletic Department. Both the men's and women's programs met with the media, had pictures taken, and gave us a little insight into the upcoming seasons. The banner moment, expectations. Yes, Indiana basketball is talking about expectations. The fans are talking, the media is talking, the players are talking, and even the head ball coach, Mike Woodson, is talking. Quote, Coach Woodson said, I came back here to win Big Ten titles and a national title. I'm not going to push the team in any other direction. If they're scared of it, they shouldn't be here, end quote. Yes, we are talking expectations and talking in the right fashion about those expectations. Indiana basketball is about winning, simply winning. We have fallen short a lot lately in the winning department, but Indiana basketball is about winning. It's fine to have those expectations. Now, they need to be backed up with proper planning, execution, uh, results, but anything less than those types of uh, expectations, it's just not Indiana basketball. Today, Coach Woodson had a lot to say, but what he said about the schedule, the expectations, the freshmen, the players, is what we should want from a leader of the Indiana basketball program. So let's go. Let's root the Hoosiers on as they pursue some net, some championships. Go get it, fellas. Okay, let me introduce uh, my co-host this week. Finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Taking a break uh, from massaging Justin Herbert's sore rib cage and getting off the freeway traffic, it's Ryan Phillips. Do you have a rant or rumination to share with us this week? So the traffic part is actually true. I came through the door about three minutes ago uh justin herbert uh he can get somebody else to massage his rib and hopefully crack another one while they're in there um so i i coach i can't believe you didn't pick this as your banner moment uh it is one of the greatest days in indiana sports history beer sales at indiana <laughs> basketball games. let's baby. go and i'll tell you what about this they're gonna sell a lot if the team is good this year if the team is bad this year, they're going to sell twice as much. So either way, this is going to work out for the university in a big, big way. So beer sales at, at an Indiana sporting event, really mad that this happened years after I graduated because I was there for some bad teams and it would have been really nice to be able to drown my sorrows in the stadium and not have to walk in the freezing cold for miles to go out to do it. 
Well, beer sales are here. So are the steep stairs. Drink responsibly. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's going to be <laughs> casually. Like, I think they're going to have to double security. At yeah. The, uh, at you the... know, put some some new uh, you know well, flooring Kyle down. Schwarber won't be the only one drinking at IU basketball games. A- absolutely. So let's go. <laughs> okay. Here's what we have in store this week. Uh, we're going to do some Hoosier headlines. Uh, including some reactions to today's media festivities. And actually, we're probably going to stretch that out into segment two. Uh, We got quite a lot to talk about. We might push back the top 25 list, uh, which is what we were planning to do with segment two. Uh, Inside the Hall has come out with their top 25 and and plus some honorable mention. Big 10 players, if we need to, we'll get to that. If not, we'll push that back to next week. So segment uh, two will be media day and Big 10 top 25, if time permits. And then segment three, as usual, we have a lot of uh, great questions from our community members. All of that is coming up uh, this week on Assembly Call Radio. Now it's time to talk about our presenting sponsor. Uh, This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and even, yes, the Evil Oval. The bottom line is that Home Field has something for fans and grads of pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly Business School. What could be better than that? You all know my fascination with Homefield. Can't stop. Bought another shirt last week. A nice script Indiana uh, in the gray uh, T-shirt. Always look forward to their new um, product. So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME to for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off your first order. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And we'll just let that music play out until I can find a way to stop it. There we go. There you go. All right. Um, so Media Day, uh, Ryan, we're going to talk a lot about Media Day uh, in particular, have some quotes from the players and from the coaches ready for us in segment two. Media Day's good. Uh, but you also know that there's no, no program in the country that comes out and says, we had a bad summer. Our guys aren't together. We really think we're going to suck this year. Um, so everything's rosy at, at this media day. Everything will be rosy at the Big Ten media days. So you got to try to find little nuances in there. And I think some of the people in the chat have already um, picked up on some of them. We're going to talk about some of them in, in segment two. But overall thoughts, just general thoughts about Indiana's media day today. Uh, I thought the most telling quotes were about Mike Woodson discussing himself and how he has to be better and how he left a couple games on the floor last year. And uh, obviously he was listening to the assembly call because we discussed that Mike Woodson left a few games on the floor last year by not making some changes late in games uh, when things weren't going well. You're up by a bunch. You start to lose the lead. You need to change some things. And he kind of stubbornly stuck with some things, didn't call timeouts, was was a, a number of times, was about two, three possessions too late on timeouts to change things. Um, but again, it was his first year, uh, you know, learning the college game and all of that. And I think that he maybe relied on the players a bit like he would rely on NBA players to kind of figure it out for themselves. Uh, 
and and really the only reason that coaches in the NBA call a timeout is to draw something up. It's not to make changes. Essentially, like your your finishing unit is your finishing unit, regardless of what's going on. And uh, they they rarely call timeouts to staunch momentum late in games. They'll do that early on if you're on you know giving up a 12-0 run or something. They'll they'll call a timeout and just sit everybody down. But they don't do that in, in towards the end of games usually. So um, I would say. Uh, that yeah, I think those were interesting quotes. Him being very critical of himself, and uh, yeah, that, that, that's what stood out to me. I think that you know, Trace Jackson Davis made some comments about Logan Duncan being a lot better and 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 really asserting himself and potentially being a second unit center and all that. And uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, and and you know, Woodson, of course, has said the same thing about Trace Jackson Davis's offense that he said for a while: is that it's he's not restricted from shooting jump shots. He needs to be able to have the confidence to do it. So Media Day occurred. Again, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, some particulars from Media Day in, in segment two, some other highlights. Um, the staff went four deep to visit five-star big man Flory Badunga up here in Kokomo. Uh, they're on our schedule at Western. Uh, we, played against him. we played <laughs> against him last year uh, in his first ever high school game uh, in, in America. He's gotten a lot better since yeah. that first game. Um, so – We'll see about uh, that recruitment as uh, Badunga has just skyrocketed up the ranking systems yeah, with his from, play. He's gone from like low three star to like a top ten national yeah. recruit. And so. I, I tell you, he's a rebounding machine. He's got uh, a lot of motor. Uh, his footwork was a struggle when we played against him. It was a lot of shuffling the feet and just his number one move was up. Um, yeah. But he had decent, athlete, uh, great athleticism. He had decent form on his free throw shooting when he was in warmups and all of that. So I'm sure that he's really worked on developing his game. Someone Indiana should go after. They've missed out on a few uh, big guys. It would be good to get uh, someone like that who, so, who just is a motor guy. So, you know, from what we've seen, Indiana's a little late to this one. Um, mm -hmm. Some other people got in first. They did go deep. Um, they think they have an angle on his recruitment. I don't know if that's true and I don't know if they're going to get him, but this is the kind of guy you go all in on. And right. it's and a lot of people, you know, I mean, there were questions about whether or not you go all in on Xavier Booker. There really were, I mean, there's split decisions within the state on whether or not you go all in on that guy, even though he was ranked very highly and everything. Some people had, you know, certain opinions of him that you don't go all in on that guy. Uh, I remember the same thing happened with Caleb Swanigan. Caleb Swanigan was, you know, a, a stud, a stud in the state. And some teams stayed away from him. And I think that that happened with Xavier Booker a little bit too. Uh, Bodega's not that guy. You go in on him, fully in on him. And, and the fact that they're a little late to this one is, is a little troubling, but he also didn't really blow up until recently. So uh, some people think they have a shot. Uh, Indiana, if, it's going, if they're going four deep, Indiana clearly thinks they have a shot. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully they can sort of reel this one in. And then uh, Cody Zeller signs uh, with the Utah Jazz. Uh, Cody's had a, a nice career in, in, in a role-playing way, signing with Utah. Utah has, has done a lot of things uh, to change their roster, so I believe there uh, were some openings, yeah. right? <laughs> it's a it's a tankathon in Utah this year. What's going on um, is uh, they're going to do what Boston did when it dumped the big three, is dump everybody, get a ton of draft picks, get the low, you know, get a bunch of expiring contracts to open up salary cap stuff. And that's, that's what they're, I mean, they're dismantling that team right now and going, you know, full tank 
and and stockpiling draft picks. So Cody should have some opportunities to play there. Yeah, and then you mentioned the beer sales. Uh, it's just it's time. It's different. Um, and and speaking of it's time and it's different from this old codger, uh, Chicago. I don't even know how I'm going to pronounce this right. How do you pronounce this rap rapper G Herbo? Will perform at the conclusion of Hoosier Hysteria. Big name, platinum guy, good get for Indiana. The players are all fired up. Hopefully the recruits are fired up. And that's ultimately what Hoosier Hysteria is about. Not my kind of style. Uh, so I, I probably, as usual now, not not attend Hoosier Hysteria. But those are the types of things you have to do, I believe, now to 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 keep your players happy and to get the recruits that are there to, to see you as a viable place. So that was a big uh, news headline this week uh, yeah. about Hoosier Hysteria. People have said, like, I, I saw some people online being like, who is this for? You know, the, the most of the fans in Indiana have never heard it. It's it's for recruits. That Absolutely. That's who it's for. That They're going to have recruits on campus. They want something cool to happen. Uh, it's for students, too. I'm sure the students will enjoy it, too. It's, it's homecoming not, week. It's not meant for the 60-year-old fan who's going to show up or, or the 50-year-old fan is going to show up with his kids or, or whatever. That's not what it's for anymore. It is for recruiting and it's for the players to make it feel cool and like an atmosphere. A couple of years ago, Kansas had Snoop Dogg at it. You know, I mean, there was a, that was a big controversy and all that. But like, it's about doing something the kids and the recruits will find interesting and make it feel like a crazy, fun atmosphere. That's what it's for. It's, you know, Hoosier Hysteria. It's not the old Midnight Madness that we had a couple decades ago. It sure is. Where you literally came out and passed the ball around and ran drills and stuff it is a show now and it is meant to draw attention and draw recruits so is there going to be beer at hoosier hysteria i certainly that may draw me that may draw me in even even though i I don't uh listen to the rap music but i do drink the beer um (laughs) so maybe it's 50 50 but there's some good good headlines things are moving in in good directions uh in in bloomington um so uh, we're getting close. We're getting r- real close. So coming up here on Assembly Call Radio, um, we're going to talk more about media days, some quotes, what they mean, uh, and what you might read between the lines. So stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
All right, welcome everyone. We got a good group here in the in the chat mob. Thank you for being here. Indiana football is three and zero. Basketball holds media days. Lots of things going on. Yeah, and finally, it feels like we're finally getting to to football. Or, I mean, to basketball. Yeah, getting out of getting getting out of the football area. Yeah. It it seems the off seasons are just so long. Uh, anyway, for for us when we're fans, but now when we do shows like this too, the the need for creative content, uh, content, and and just to talk about sometime. Um, Brian Tui brings up something too. Headline: Bo Browski has, has hung it up. Yeah, uh, right. He's got a business venture uh, attached to uh, officiating, and everyone gives Bo a hard time because I think you can remember his name, uh, but Bo Bo was all right. Um, despite sometimes what we thought and congratulations to Bo on his retirement. So uh, I will uh, say this about Bo in a consistent way. He wasn't as bad as others, but he was at, in the middle of a lot of bad call, like big, bad calls at big moments. Um, and not regular, not every time he played, but it was, you know, there were, there were times where like it'd be a game changing call. It just so happened that Bo was the official right next to where it happened. Yeah. So anyway, we're we're real close to starting to get on those officials again. That, that's always a always a good thing. So we're gonna we're gonna hit some media days. If you have some questions in the in the chat, and I can keep track of them here, um, we'll we'll try to answer them. I think there's some really good things to come out of it. Again, take it with a grain of salt because everyone's gonna be positive. Uh, the real the real uh, deal is the eye test when, when we see uh, mm-hmm. see them start to play and even be careful of the evaluations at Hoosier Hysteria because that's just a show. Um, in, any scrimmaging they may or may not do there is, is going to be light for injury purposes and so forth. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they didn't do a scrimmage forward. last year. Yeah. yeah I don't so, think they did. They, did they do a scrimmage last year? I think no, were, I think it was just the short, competitions. Yeah, there were short too many players, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they had some injury things, I think. That's right. Yeah. All right, here we go. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm joined tonight with uh, Ryan Phillips. Uh, Jared Morris may be uh, with us here uh, by the end of the show. Um, we, we have a couple of, of big topics that we're ready to talk about. Uh, we may talk about both of them. We may just uh, talk about media days and push the, the top 25 from inside the hall back to a, a, another time. I know uh, Alex Bozich was going to be with us tonight. I think he has confirmed for next week, so that would be a good uh, topic to maybe save for um alex uh for next week but uh ryan i just i I have these broken up into segments uh and and just want to get your thoughts and and then i will comment on on these but my banner moment was was about expectations i i thought some of the best things in reading the transcript today uh of coach woodson's remarks was he you want a leader to not back away from expectations and there's difference between uh, reality. You could have expectations and not have the team. Indiana has an opportunity possibly this year to meet those expectations, but you do want to try to win championships. You don't want to put the mark too low. Your thoughts today on how Coach Woodson approached those questions about expectations? 
Yeah, sorry, I muted myself. That's all right. Uh, it was for your benefit, actually. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, I think that he answered them head on, and he said, you know what, every year I have expectations, and that's kind of the standard coach answer. But then he talked about, you know, look, we've uh, we've got a great schedule that's going to challenge us, and then you've got the Big Ten, so we're doing the things that you should do if you're a top level program. Essentially, this is reading between the lines, is what I what I was mm-hmm. hearing from him. And that, yeah, it's it's nice to be recognized because some of these guys have been here for four years and haven't been ranked. They don't feel like they've been ranked, and now they're ranked, and um, you know, have a a good um, had a, you know have a, have a good feeling about where they are. Now we just got to go perform, and right. you know, it, it, rankings don't matter. And he he even mentioned that his senior year they were ranked number one and didn't win the national championship. So rankings don't matter a whole lot. Um, but it was just interesting to hear his perspective on that. Now that there are expectations, I think expectations last year were very low heading into the season. It was like first season with a new coach. Yeah. You've got trace, but you know, you got to make the tournament, but other than that, you know, there's really no expectation. He enters this year with a lot of expectations because of who came back and, and who they added and all of that. So it it is, it is the big, uh, you know, elephant in the room is the fact that they got to win this year. I mean, if they don't, they're going to be losing a lot of guys, quite frankly, uh, next year. And you've got to make some hay this year to establish that the program is actually back. And if they don't, it's going to be a very uncomfortable offseason, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and the bottom line is nice reading between the lines again because a lot of this is coach speak and player speak and all positive. But um we're in year two talking about these expectations and he's being asked questions about these expectations. That's a sign that the program moved ahead faster than most of us expected. That's a positive sign. And then you don't back down from it. The The line uh, at the end is like, don't be scared of, of trying to win. And, and you talk, if you study a lot of the solid coaches, they all have some sort of motto or method some say it publicly uh but a lot of them keep it in the locker room um you know when northwestern turned around their program it was expect victory uh inside the locker room on their t-shirts and everything and so you have to set expectations and goals high enough uh, in your program but it's one thing to be able to do that uh when people take you seriously and indiana basketball is being taken seriously again that's what i i think this uh conversation um, was all about. So let's let's talk about uh, X Xavier Johnson. He was asked about the possible discipline from the spring uh, arrest, uh, and he quote he was quoted as saying, "Well, that's all behind us. He's gotten through that process. He he would have to do some community service. X has grown a lot based on the thing he's done this summer. He's put himself in a wonderful position with me being the coach. That I like everything about what X is doing now because he's doing the right things on and off the court." He doesn't have a vehicle anymore. I took that away from him. Um, that's going to be a topic. I've seen it uh, I- I- on Twitter. I've seen it other places, uh, people um, having some sort of opinion on the what seems like will not be a suspension for Xavier Johnson. Your thoughts on that comment uh, from Coach Woodson today? No, I think it's funny they took away his vehicle and uh, appropriate punishment. I would say yeah. you have lost your uh, right to have that vehicle. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, we've debated whether or not he'd get a one game suspension or not. And it appears not. Uh, it, I mean, just by, based on those quotes, it feels like he's, he's, you know, this was an off season punishment type situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, if, if, if X has grown up a lot, we saw X be, 
We saw X mature on the court throughout the year last year. I think early on he was reacting to every official's call. He was talking to opponents the entire time. He was allowing himself to, himself to get emotional. And, you know, if he got beat on defense, he immediately went down and took a shot. I mean, you could set your watch by it, that he was not going to pass. He was going to put the ball up. Um, and you also found a situation where he would, if he got one foul or if he, if, if he missed a shot, he might just foul immediately on the next day. And over the season, we saw him sort of become a leader and, and, and really change that. You saw Mike Woodson pull him aside and bench him sometimes and early in the season and tell him, Hey, you can't do that. You know, you're the point guard. Um, so we saw him mature very rapidly, I think on the, on the court. And it appears that Mike Woodson feels like he's done it off the court now. So uh, I hope, I hope so. Certainly, uh, what he was involved in, you, you can't you just can't do that. And, and you can't be driving that fast in a small town like that, uh, on roads where somebody, a drunk college kid could easily be crossing the street and be there for you to hit him. Um, and he's lucky nothing like that happened. So, uh, hopefully he's realized his mistake and grown up and, and isn't going to do anything like that again, uh, you know, in a golf cart, cause he's clearly not getting a car for a while. <laughs> Yeah, and and the thing that that I will share between the lines too is, um, people are going to say he should be, or and I think we have a question in, in segment three about what that means going forward for discipline. You got to trust trust your head coach, uh, and the, the the evaluation Ryan comes if something happens again or the emotions aren't uh, mature and he hasn't grown, then we could go back and say was the discipline effective. But until you see some results one way or the other, and hopefully positive, you got to trust uh, the leader of, of the program. Uh, and not every situation automatically requires uh, a, a, um, a game or two games. Um, you know, th there's different philosophies out there in the coaching world. Sometimes I adopted this late in my coaching career that why punish the whole team uh, in this situation, when one person acted, it wasn't like, you know, not closing out or not blocking out. Other people would say if one person of the team messes up, the whole team messes up. So there's two different philosophies on there. But I would run kids. I would make them get up at four in the morning and do do some community service. There are other ways to have discipline or slash punishment, as people sometimes call for, than just simply a, a game. And sometimes it was mentioned here in the chat uh, I think Ari said that some, something like taking away the car, or you're not allowed to have a car on campus if you're going to play for me. It's probably sometimes more effective than than sitting against, uh, you know, some of the, the two games we have early uh, in the season. So and, and plus other players depend on X for their success and their their individual awards and their team awards as well. So I think that hopefully that's over with uh, and it's over with because X is a better person. That's the number one reason we want it over with. Um, and then also it, it's just something, one of the few negatives in the, in the Woodson era that we've had to talk about. And if it is over, we can focus on, you know, baskets going in and, and blockouts and all those kinds of things. So obviously he's going to be talk, talking about shooting. We've talked about that in, in uh, a lot. Um, he brought up the point, uh, that he believed they got good shots last year, uh, and just missed them. Um, that's been the last three or four years where people have gotten good shots and just missed them. The between the lines thing that I picked out from this, Ryan, was that they're, they're really – I don't know if they brought in anyone who's just going to increase the shooting, but they're counting on development. And so the proof is going to be in the pudding for me. The, the th shots go in, the percentages go up, we have more success because of three-point shooting. 
but it seems like he believes race and he believes TJD are better shooters and Miller Cop's going to have a year under his belt. The comments he made about that, they're really hoping that every player develops a better three-point shooting, and, and obviously that's just the way I think it has to be given who they who they recruited. Thoughts on any comments about his three-point shooting? Uh, yeah, remarks? he he didn't. Um he didn't mention uh, Tamar Bates, but Tamar Bates is a guy who's got to shoot it better. You know, right. I mean, if you're, if you're going to be playing, you got to shoot it better. And, you know, a guy like uh, Jalen Huchifino, we haven't seen him, but if you look at his numbers from high school, he wasn't a great three-point shooter. He could hit him, but he wasn't a great three-point. He's got to be able to hit some, and they're going to play off of him. Trey Galloway has got to find a way to shoot the ball. Like, he didn't mention everybody, and I didn't expect him to run through the entire roster because, quite frankly, if you're running through the entire roster <laughs> of guys who can't shoot on this team, it's going to take a while. Um, yeah. But he mentioned, you know, Ray Thompson, sort of the second half of the year, he started making some shots from from deep and started shooting it more confidently and hit some big ones for Indiana. Uh, Xavier Johnson really became a good three-point shooter in the second half of last season, which, you know, in spite of his funky mechanics, uh, he actually did become a better uh, shooter. So, I don't know. I, I think that it's just it's the big question mark of this team and it's been the big question mark indiana basketball for the better part of a decade who's going to hit shots and um you know it, it, the answer has been pretty much no one for a while and it needs to get better this year if you're if you have these lofty expectations i don't care how much talent you have on the team you got to be able to knock down shots in the modern college basketball to win games and, and staying with that uh, theme of shooting, I, I think some of us on here, I think both of us for sure have talked about stretching the floor, spacing being important in the college game. And traditionally in the last three or four years, we've had heavy post presence that had to score at the rim. You had two or three guys on the court. Uh, a lot of times in the Archie Miller era uh, in Woodson's first year where you had to ha get those guys opportunities in the low post, or you had to get them opportunities offensive rebounding. We've talked about stretching the floor. So they brought up shooting and, and Trace, and we're going to talk about Trace playing the four because that was kind of brought up another thing that we need to try to address uh, tonight, I believe. But Coach Woodson um, was talking about he wants Trace to be able to shoot it. He's given him the green light. But the line that made a lot uh, of sense to me, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, was he said, you know, everybody looks at this – Thing where he's got to be a three-point shooter I think if he makes a 15 to 17 foot shot it's just as effective that's kind of how I look at it that was coach Woodson a quote from coach Woodson your thoughts on uh I like that I thought that was a really solid comment um explain your your shot doctor explain where if he could at least hit the 15 to 17 footer that helps Indiana Obviously, a three-point shooter, TJD, also helps, but at least being able to hit that 15- to 17-footer, why would Coach Woodson think that's equally effective? Because it means that a guy like a guy can't Kofi Kingston him. A guy can't sit six feet off of him when he's at the free-throw line and just wait for him to post up and play into a bigger guy's hands. He has to guard him out there, which, by the way, opens up something on the baseline for somebody else. You can lob it over the top to somebody. You can pass around your, your guy. You can cut baseline. You can do that. It opens up the floor a little bit. If there's a big guy stapled under the basket defensively, it, it limits what you can do offensively. Um, plus, if he does that, again, like he's, harder, he's just harder to guard. 
and the defense has to respect it and the defense has to step up just like they have to step out to the three-pointer now you want it you want to space it all the way out to three with everybody if you can that's not feasible in college i don't think in the nba it's more feasible um but you're not gonna have all five guys on the floor being able to shoot that often in college basketball uh, but I will say that I think that he's absolutely right that if you can shoot that jumper, it changes the spacing of the defense. It changes what the offense can do, and it changes your angles of attack as an offense too. You you get it to the free throw line, you can have guys cut off that from the wings. You can have guys backdoor. You can you know backdoor screen for guys, or you can have the other big guy run in and post up underneath and do a high low situation. So and again, if it, if TJD's on the floor, he's gonna have the biggest guy on the floor on him. The four, if it's Race Thompson, might have a shorter guy, might have more of a wing guarding him. You throw it in, Race might have a mismatch. So I just, I, he's absolutely right that if he could even shoot anything outside of a, of a, of a five footer, it helps Indiana tremendously. And interesting, TJD brings up, and, and we're really going to get to the players here at the back end of this segment. TJD brought up, um, I, I think he brought up, or, or maybe, uh, no, it was Coach Woodson uh, at the end of this quote. He said, the biggest shots of the season for TJD was in the Big Ten tournament against Illinois when he faced up Kofi and he hit the jump shot. Uh, and and that was uh, a reason that, you know, in that game, those Big Ten tournament games in the second half of Michigan and then the game against Illinois and Iowa, he was dominant. So he adds more than just the left-handed low post or the alley-oop dunk or the fast break run out. Now he can hit that 15 to 17 footer. That gives him more options individually. It helps the team. Um, but but that right there is is exactly what you were talking about with his ability um, to face up. I want to go back to your opening comment, if I can, uh, and and I I pulled the quote from him on his. Re- improvement and I thought this was again I thought this was one of the better press conferences transcripts I've read of of coach Woodson and there's been some that I've kind of wondered what is he saying where is he going with this but I I thought this one was um, a really good and maybe it shows some of this improvement that we've talked about but I really appreciate um, a head coach of the program that, that I root for saying I've got to get better because if you say that as a leader and then you demand your players to say that, I just think that's that, that's just really um, important. And we've talked about subbing and timeouts and, and all of that stuff. But I'm just going to ask you, how much is it the mental side of, of having that approach? And if you communicate that with your players, you did a good job of talking about the end of the games and how he's got to be better there. And, and we can all go the details. But – I think this sends a signal to the team of being hungry and getting better, and and I think that's going to help. What are your thoughts on on when he just starts out saying, I have got to get better, I always put pressure on myself, uh, and try to take some of it off the players? Well, I think that in some ways it makes it so they're all in it together. I mean, right. the players, you know, the players got to get better, but the coach has to get better. It's a team effort. It's not just – Hey, I'm putting you in a position exactly. to succeed. You go do it. It's it's a team effort. I think that the players have to feel that and and understand that and know that. And uh, I think he he did a really good job articulating that that he's just as responsible for winning as they are. Um, so that that's that's what I took from it. And, and, and you mentioned this too. I think you you always look at each year as you okay. You just got fired and you're taking over a program. That's that's what I learned from. Um, uh, some coach that, that if you approach every season with that you're a brand new coach, what does this program need? You're going to improve that program. I thought that came across um, in in his comments uh, today. Uh, he talked about the freshmen. 
Uh, and the the age-old question, I don't know that anything he said shows me that he's really going to throw them out there a lot of minutes. Um, he kind of said they have to be ready, and they've had some good moments. He told a story about them struggling against the veterans. Did you read anything in there that says we're going to see more of the freshmen in any role or or not? Yeah, he just said they're up and down, you know, and, and that's quite Which frankly. they are. Like, yeah, which is what you expect. As, as the old quote goes, the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. So, um, yeah, I, I, don't, uh, I, I, I don't expect anything different. I think the key is going to be getting them into game action early. And, and, you know, the ones you want to play, get them in there, get them some minutes because you're going to need them later in the year. Uh, and you want them to build up some confidence early on. I mean, even, even if you got to play a couple of them like three to five minutes against Kansas, just get them in there, you know, get them into a big game. To, to feel that atmosphere, feel what it's like. So that if you need somebody for an injury down the road, it's not foreign to them. It's not an alien concept to walk into the Breslin center and play. You know, you feel like you've, you've felt that before. I just think that the key with the freshmen and they are up and down. And I think he needs to not be frustrated by the fact that they're up and down. Cause that's the nature of the beast with freshmen. And I just think, and I, I harped on it last year, I harped on it early in the season and, and it didn't come true. And I'm going to harp on it again. You have offered these kids scholarships to come play at Indiana University. You need to trust them at some point and get them in the game. Play them. That's the only way they're going to get better is by playing. You can practice all you want. There, coach, you will, you will back me up on this as a coach. There is nothing like game action to improve somebody. Game action against a real opponent to improve somebody. Yeah, uh, and a lot of coaches know that. And, and it's a struggle, too, because it's hard to play more than eight. But you know if you don't get nine or ten in in some significant minutes, they're never going to be able to push your program. That It, it, is, a, it is a constant struggle. But absolutely, uh, there's nothing like a game because you just can't replicate atmosphere. You can't replicate the speed. Adrenaline. Adrenaline, the, the, the opponents that you play for. It's uh, like when, a, when a kid comes in, his first game in college, and he takes a three-point shot. I 100% expect it to go over the rim. Right. Like, you know, he just like, jacked up. Because there's just <laughs> there, you know, if there's nothing like it, and then they calm down. You make that's why I always say you got to see a shot go down because it calms everything. And so I, I just feel like it's like a quarterback completing his first college pass or something like yeah. that. It just it calms everything down. When a backup quarterback comes in, perfect example, backup quarterback comes in, first string quarterback gets hurt, you bring in the backup quarterback. They almost always throw a screen or a real quick pass or something just to get them to feel confident and calm. It's the same with basketball. You got to make a shot. You got to maybe make a play on defense, something that gets you into the game. If we can accomplish that for these guys in November, then you don't have to worry about doing it in January and February where you're going to have to get a couple minutes from somebody. I, I agree, and I think that's something for uh, us that we're going to watch, and I think a lot of our followers are going to watch too, how he handles and how he substitutes in the minutes, minute allocation uh, of the freshmen. Uh, but I'm a big believer, get your best players in, get them in, and get your younger kids in. I think the game of basketball, Ryan, is a guards game and a youth game. Uh, if you're going to go far in a tournament, do you want to get old and stay old? Love that. But your older guys are more of your glue guys. In, in our situation, we have a really good old guy in TJD who's going to be dominant, which is a luxury. But a lot of times, your better players are going to be your youthful players, depending on how strong you're recruiting. Uh, but you got to get your young guys in. And, and we got young guys from established high school programs 
uh, that are coming in that are more ready than normal high school players. You've got to live with uh, their ups and downs, as he said, uh, a little bit more. And I think maybe we're hopeful thinking I'm reading between the lines. He's aware of that because he said he's got to push them a little bit more and get them ready. There's been some comments there. The last thing from Coach Woodson is he called Miller Cop a true pro, very coachable. Uh, I I needed to hear that because I think I'm a little tough on on Miller Cop, to be honest with you. I know he played with a a, a tough foot injury and gutted it out instead of taking some time off. But the key thing that he said that I saw got a lot of play uh, on social media and stuff was he he thought Miller Cop was one of their better perimeter defenders. And I think there's some reason why he might have said that. I think you thought he was a pretty good defender. I might have disagreed with you on on his defense, but obviously Coach Woodson's on your side. He thinks he was a good defender. Um, Your thought on on what he said about Miller Cop, and and that's another thing that we're going to be watching. Does he start? What minutes does he get? That's been a hot debate in in the offseason. Yeah, Miller, what I want to say about Miller, I didn't think he was a good perimeter defender. I thought he improved tremendously from what we saw at the beginning of the season to what we saw towards the end of the season. And so you're almost grading on a curve there and saying like, hey, he's he's not the hole in the defense. His effort was fantastic on defense. Like he He never never stopped stopped trying on defense. Yeah, no, there are physical limitations. They're just like there were physical limitations for Parker Stewart's, you know, just didn't have quick feet. You know, and and you're going to get beat repeatedly when that happens. And and honestly, the coaches should not put you in a position where they're relying on your quick on your feet to be fast if you are that guy. Um, no, I I think Miller really got better defensively. I think at Northwestern he probably didn't have to be a good defender uh, because all he was there to do was make a ton of shots. And in Indiana, you got to do it all if you're going to be a contending team. And so um, I thought he got better. Uh, I think that I agree that I think that what I've heard about Miller, he's a veteran. He is a true guy who works hard, does what he's supposed to do. The results were not there offensively last year. We saw what he's capable of a few times. Uh, and he needs Syracuse. to be this year and that, or someone else is going to play. Exactly. And that Syracuse game, you saw, okay, that's what Miller cop could do. That's what they brought him in to do. And it wasn't consistent and it wasn't consistently there offensively. And I think that as a shooter, he got into his own head. And he was overshooting everything and trying too hard. And when that happens, the shots don't go down. You need to shoot without thinking. And, yeah. and it has to be a natural feel. Uh, that said, you're right. He's got to make shots this year because <laughs> there are guys breathing down his neck to take those minutes. And I, I I have a hard time seeing him starting. And I actually think some of the best he played I last do year too. Was, he was on the second unit and, and being able to spread the floor on the second unit a little bit. Because even when he's not making – at 40%. Defenses know he can make it, so he does stretch the floor. I mean, they have to cover him. They know they have to cover him, even if he's not hitting because he has that reputation. Just like Parker Stewart. Parker Stewart would go 0 for 7 in a game, but they're still guarding him at the yep. three-point line. That How about a for everyone else. super sub, uh, Vinny Johnson microwave, yeah. come in and just jack some threes up at the uh, 12, 13-minute mark with the Give second a- unit against a, a, the other team's second unit, where they can't guard you as well. Um you know, make so sometimes the, you don't have to be a starter to be effective. Make him the sixth man. Make him the guy that comes in when things don't start well, and he can kind of calm the waters and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's he knows the offense. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to defend. He knows the the game inside and out. You know, maybe he's that guy that's the calming influence when things aren't going well. 
Um, you know, hopefully he can be that guy. Last year, that guy kind of was Xavier Johnson towards the end of the year. Yep. And when things were going haywire, you put X in there, he controls the ball, controls the, 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 the way things are going. He gets the ball in the post. He's a good interior passer. Um, and he can make some shots. So, like, I remember once, you know, I remember uh, the game against Wisconsin at Wisconsin that we try and pretend didn't happen. Um, and, and I really, as, as I said at the time, I hope that plane ride home was sucked. Um, but Xavier Johnson in the second half of that game went like one of nine because he kept driving and trying to make things happen. And he was doing that because nobody else was doing anything. And people were hating on Xavier Johnson for missing shots, but he had to do something because nobody else would. And I think at the end of the year, you saw what he was doing and you look back at that game and you see it much differently than you did at the time because he was trying to lead and get guys energized to do things when they were doing absolutely nothing offensively. And I think guys like cop, Guys like Johnson, they're going to be relied upon. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, obviously, but the other guys are going to be relied upon to fill some of those gaps when things don't go well because inevitably things aren't going to go well at some point, and you're going to need guys to step up and fill those gaps. And and here's where the chat mob is probably right. I think Miller's going to start regardless of what you and I think because I think Woody likes veterans. I think that's a little pro background. Start your veteran players and ease your rookies in. Um, that's a mentality that he has. So if I were a betting man, I'd probably say Miller starts. Um, but I'm talking about what I, I would that. maybe do, right? We'll, 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 we'll have to see once the season starts. So now let's talk about a couple of player comments here, stretching out segment two. Uh, your, your, your guy, Grace Thompson, loved this today, thought it was awesome. Um, he said a lot of good things, but the one quote I pulled, the question was, if you, if you didn't see the transcript, uh, if you're listening, Race, how do you want to be remembered by your coaches and teammates in your time at IU? And Race Thompson answers this way, quote, just a great teammate and someone who would do anything to win a game. I mean, that's all I could ask for, just a good teammate, good friend, good all that, all the good stuff, that's really it. If that's not what we see when Race Thompson's going good, I know he had a little bad stretch at the end of the year, but what we've seen when he's on the court for the most part is that glue guy, that hustle guy, that block shots, that – that that dive on the floor, I just thought that was an absolute excellent um, thing for someone to say that, you know, being a good teammate is a skill, and, and I think Race has probably mastered it. Your thoughts on your boy, uh, Race Thompson? That's a Race Thompson answer. It yeah. is. I mean, it's 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 he does everything for the team. He gives more effort than anybody, quite frankly. Not that other guys don't give good effort, but he gives more. He just, he's, he's like everybody else. And then some is, is the way I'd talk about race Thompson and he does everything on the floor. Uh, I think at times, and I said last year and Jared after months finally conceded it, he was the most important player on the floor for Indiana pretty much all season until that last stretch of like five games where he really struggled. And I think that the minutes got to him. I really do think the minutes got to him and he wore down, but until those last five games, he was Indiana's most important player, not their best player, but their most important player. And I think we're headed for that again this year. And, and quite frankly, I said it on Twitter after, you know, when we were still learning whether or not Trace Jackson Davis would come back. I said, if Trace Jackson Davis goes pro and Race Thompson comes back, I think he is a legitimate candidate for Big Ten Player of the Year. He won't put up the numbers Trace does, but he does everything on the floor in a Draymond Green sort of way. Impact, impact guy. Impacts the game on both ends of the floor and can score. And, you know, and if he was – I think his ideal situation – in this scenario would be the back to the basket five who could step out, but the back to the basket five. And if he's doing that, he can score and we've seen him score. And if trace isn't there to take those minutes, you know, he might put up bigger numbers. 
Um, but when Trace decided to come back, I'm sure Race was thrilled because he gets to be himself. He gets to be that guy who is just sort of the garbage man, can do everything. He can switch down to the five. He can step out on the floor. He can play the two-man high-low game with Trace. Um, can sub for him when Trace, you know, sits out. I, I, I just think that he's one of those guys, when you look at his career, the numbers may not be there as like a, a great, but he's been, in my opinion, one of the best players of this era, of this last, you know, five. He's so eight, easy to eight. root for. He's just he so just easy works, to root for. Man. Yes. And, and, you know, especially when you consider his numbers would be better if not for that concussion, if not for some yeah. of the freak injuries he suffered. You know, one where he went up for a rebound against, I think it was Michigan State. I don't remember. And landed yeah. on his hip and was out for a while. I mean, like, freak injuries. But, like, all the time when he was doing that, he was contributing when he wasn't out. And and I think we saw last year what he's fully capable of when he's playing full-time and, and was outstanding. And one of the best players, I think one of the – you know, I, I, I thought he should have been on a, an all big 10 team, but I mean, Indiana, you know, their record probably took that away from him. Um, but he's a guy who impacts every game. And when, and a lot of times you'll hear the opposing coaches talk about him in their press post game press conferences. And that means a lot. You mentioned um, a little high, low two man game between race uh, uh, and TJD. Both guys mentioned Logan Duncan uh, as, as playing a lot better uh, and and TJD even kind of hinted upon. I don't know if he actually said it, but that uh, when he responded to his shooting, that he might even be playing the four a little bit because uh, Duncan and Renault could play the five. Your thoughts on TJD at the four and our man Logan Duncan? Is he going to get more run than we expected? He better. I mean, quite frankly, he better because guess what? Next year, all you got coming back is Renault and Logan Duncan up front so you really need that i mean they struck out on some recruits that they really wanted to go at um you know they're there i don't expect them to get anybody else this year uh maybe a transfer but uh as far as the high school recruits i, I think they completely struck out and uh i don't i'm not sure if anyone will be available in the spring i mean you're banking on something crazy happening there for that to happen but um yeah i i he better be, you know, start to and we watched his high school film. His high school film, he looks yeah. like a guy who can play. He looks like a high school he, coaches in Cincinnati raved about him, him that I know loved that him. I called. Now, he didn't have the body, to. he didn't have the right. body when he hit campus to play in the Big Ten. And hopefully, that has changed over this year. I mean, we've been getting glimpses of him, but you know, you'll see if the you know, you can you can look however you want. If you're not standing up to the to the punishment, then it doesn't really matter. So, I would say, yeah, he's got to he's got to step up this year. And if he doesn't, uh, they're going to find someone to they're going to find a transfer to replace him. Here's the other thing outside the coach and player speak that I think you can read into today's comments about that. We talked about TJD hitting 15, 17 footers. When he and Race are on the floor, they're interchangeable. That one can go low post, one can go out and shoot 15, 17, or three point. If, uh, if Renault and those guys can play the five, then TJD. It, it means that they're um, the post. Uh, the, the inside game uh, is going to be – you got depth, uh, foul trouble, all, all of those things. You're in a better situation than, than you were last year with Durr and everything else. So, you know, I'm not looking at it like uh, he's going to play the four. 
you know, I, I, I'm hoping that it means that they're all interchangeable. If, if we're playing TJD at the four because we just want to help him get to the pros, there's some good things about that, but it reminds me of the Randall L. move to wide receiver to get him to the pros that didn't work. Then you had to move him back to, to the quarterback. Coach Woodson's going to use players where they're most effective to win for Indiana. I am guaranteed of that. But I really read between the lines that our post players have a little bit of inside-outside game. I think Renault can hit the 12- to 15-footer. I know Duncan can shoot. I don't know consistently percentage-wise, but I think you're starting to see the move Indiana to fours and fives that can stretch the floor a little bit. I think that's a good thing. Uh, Ryan, last thing before we break uh, for our question segment. Uh, I like this from TJD today, too, that he talked about his legacy. Uh, and, he, and he said a lot, but the quote I'm going to pull out, he said, winning is a big thing here. So winning the national championship and winning the Big Ten title, those are my two main goals this year. I think that speaks a lot to TJD's uh, acceptance of a leadership role. Uh, at the back end of last year and really this year with what he's doing with X, some of the comments he's made all, all around. Um, I, I know that's player speak. I know there have been coached at media days to say those things. Um, but I really get the sense maybe that that this is um, TJD the leader. Uh, how important is that to have a player like TJD be a positive uh, and a take-charge leader? It's big because statistically he will finish incredibly well. I mean, there's a there's – a- decent chance he is the first player in indiana history with 2,000 points and a thousand rebounds um or maybe i I don't know if it's a yeah he could get a thousand i think yeah a thousand rebounds uh and 2,000 points uh that's pretty remarkable anytime you're the first person to do something at indiana like that that's a big deal and so um you know the, the fact that he's not focused on that and wants to win and wants to be the guy that leads this team forward. And we saw him do it last year at the end of the year. Maybe for the first time, we saw him really take over games. I mean, he'd taken over games before, but really consistently take over games for a stretch and just not let the team lose. Uh, and it was inspiring to watch. I mean, the kid really put it on the line, put his body on the line, and and helped them win. So. I think it's uh, I think it's great to hear him speak in that way and speak about other players and speak about what he thinks this team can do, um, and not be fo- and you never expect the trace to be focused on the individual, but the individual is going to come if this team is playing well. Absolutely, um, a player led team is always better than a hundred percent coach led team. Obviously, the coach is going to influence basketball programs across the country, but when players take it upon themselves to clean up the locker room, hold people accountable, make sure people work hard, be vocal leaders, be leaders by example, uh, that stuff, that component then frees up the coach to do a lot of other things rather than be the emotional leader and all of that stuff too. And TJD, to me, uh, seems like he is really stepping up in that area. So those are our thoughts on Media Day. We tried to pull out some in-between-the-line stuff rather than just the coach and player speak. Stick with us for Q&A after this break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right, we just got three or four questions. We'll, we'll hit those and, and go. There was something, I think, in the, in the chat that someone asked. You were answering the, the page thing, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Everything, everything I'm hearing is he's, he's not going to be same with Same with me. Um, it feels yeah. like they, they basically, it feels like they picked him over Booker to go after hard and swung and missed. And yeah. it just feels like he's, he's, yeah. I've heard Cincinnati and USC are in the driver's seat for him. I don't know if that's what ends up happening, but you know, look, 18 year old kid can change his mind any day, but that's the momentum is not in Indiana's favor. And it feels like they're stuck chasing transfers, which again, we've talked about it and, and you know, it was mentioned. It's in a new chat. option. Well, it was mentioned in the chat. This, this year's portal is expected to be crazy and, and loaded with good talent. Um, but you are chasing an unknown there. Whereas a high school thing, you've, you've built the relationship over years and, you know, you're recruiting in that way. Um, portal is fast and guys land somewhere for a million reasons. And so you're banking on a chance that you get something. Um, and they, they, this, this recruiting class, I think 2023, I can classify it. Um, you know, it's not done yet. There's still spring it, things, or maybe somebody reclassifies, but 2023 class has been a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, they, they got Cups, they got Newton, but it's been a disappointment. They had There was talent on the board, and a lot of people were making excuses. Well, the talent's not as good this year. Well, guess what? Everybody else signed, guys. You know, and, and <laughs> I mean, you know, other people seem to feel pretty good about the people they signed. And it seemed like the guys they went all in on, a lot of the guys they went all in on, they didn't get. And uh, that is a red flag. I'm not saying it's the end of the world. I'm not saying that 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 it's – you know, going to drag the program down or any of that. But I'm saying this was a bad recruiting cycle and it needs to get better. They need to be better. And 24 and 25, they really need to show more effort. Uh, some of the people involved need to do better. And, um, you know, because recruiting is the lifeblood of a program. It's as important as player development. And and it. you look at the teams that win national championships every single year. They're consistent they in recruit, recruiting. They recruit well. You look at Save that because I think that's question number one coming yeah. up. So, all right, here we go for uh, our third segment. Hey, it's Roman Lanford. What's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. Welcome back. Uh, I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips, and it's now time uh, for our mailbag where all questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community. If you're interested in that, you can learn more about it uh, and join. Uh, go to assemblycall.com backslash community uh, and, and join us there. There's always some good uh, conversations there. So we had two recruiting questions and, and in between segments, Ryan was talking about 
some of the recruiting things, uh, and I, I want you, Ryan, to hit up on those again here. Uh, Tony uh, D'Angelo says, I know it's early, but I was looking at 247 recruiting for 2024 and all of IU's offers. Not one of them is listed as warm interest. All show cool. Is that a concern? Seems like recruiting mojo is slowing down a bit. Also heard the 23-24 classes aren't great, so maybe there is a greater strategy in play. Just curious to what you guys are hearing. That was followed up by this question, Ryan. J.D. DeFreeze says, IU potentially has its highest expectation season coming in somewhere between 7 and 10 years. Why does it seem like some fans are more worried about future recruiting classes than the upcoming season? Um, is he off base in thinking that if there's success this year, uh, recruiting will pick back up? Well, um, me, and so those just, are two two kind of contrasting questions there. Go ahead and uh, share your thoughts the, on recruiting. Let me answer the first one. The cool and warm interest on 24-7 sports is not scientific. It's, you know, and also they don't update those a lot. They're probably very focused on the 23 class right now and just haven't updated, you know, that stuff. And, and also the cool and warm interest, they don't have a line into a recruit's brain uh, to like what level of, of interest he has. Um, I would say, uh, no, it's not a concern. The concern is whether or not they can get the guys. And, and I don't, we don't know yet. Uh, we're not that deep into the class yet. Uh, you know, that, that recruiting is going to pick up right about now. Um, and it'll continue through about April. You want to get those guys on campus, hopefully for Hoosier hysteria and show them what the thing is. As far as the classes in 23 and 24, not being great. I, like I get that, but those guys are all going to play college basketball and they're going to be on other teams. And so maybe if all of college basketball is recruiting from the same pool, you want to get the best guys from that pool, no matter if they're down or up or whatever, that's two years worth of players. You need to get them. And so, I've heard this across the board. Well, the 23 class isn't that good. Well, guess what? In two years, they're all going to be starting in the NCAA tournament. You know, if they're not that good, they're not that good for everybody, you know, and you want to get the best of those guys. So, uh, you know, that comment, I, besides, you know, when these guys get on campus and have real college development, it's about talent level. And if the talent level is there, it'll be elevated. And and the the reason people are saying the 23 class is good is because they missed out on a year of development. Well, Whoever develops their players the best will get the best play out of those players. It's not like there aren't good players in that in those classes. So it's I hate when people make that as an excuse. And and usually the people saying that are the ones who are rooting for teams that did not do well in recruiting. <laughs> the guy, people who who are rooting for Duke or Kentucky or whatever aren't saying, "Well, it's a garbage class. We got a bunch of five stars, but they stink." You know, it's that that's it, just not a thing. And and I think that yeah, maybe these guys aren't on the level of in the past because they did miss out on some development time. But at the same time, whoever takes advantage of developing these guys the fastest is going to have a massive payoff. Uh, As for the other other one, um, I think that you can be concerned about both things. I've said it. I'm very optimistic about this season. I'm not optimistic about the way the recruiting is going. I'm not. And, and, And to all those people who say to me, you know, well, if you win, the recruits come. There's no guarantee of that. Tom Crean won big and had garbage classes at time. You know, there were, there were years where he won big and had a garbage class. I mean, it's, you know, that idea doesn't exist in college basketball anymore. When there are a hundred options for schools that are all going to be on national television, there's NIL. Now kids go for any number of reasons, including relationships with coaches, which is probably number one above winning is a relationship with a coaching staff. 
the ones who build the best relationships with players, are the ones who get the best recruits. Um, and I would say also, you know, facilities, NIL, all of these things play into it. It's not just going to be, well, let's see who won the Big Ten. Okay, that's where I'm going. That's not how recruiting works, and it never has been. Winning is great. Purdue won Big Ten titles, and they, were st- they, they weren't getting five stars. They were still getting guys in the same rankings they've been. They're really good at developing players, but they weren't getting top. They haven't gotten top level players uh, that are going to the NBA and dominating. I mean, it's just it's not happening. So it's not just about winning. Yeah, you don't. I mean, they're not going to go to a, to a program that you know is in the tank, but they're also you know winning a Big Ten title doesn't guarantee you're getting five stars or the best players. I understand where you're coming from. I take a little different approach. I talked about it last week. I'm in a wait-and-see uh, type of situation. Obviously, when you lose out on some of the top ones and they're, they're in your top two or three, that sets you up for a little disappointment. Do I think it's going super well? No, I agree with you there. Um, but I, I'm more of a, of a wait-and-see because sometimes you find a hidden gem that's ranked 88th or 89th that no one thinks is going to be good, and they, they like you said, the development yes. is there too. So Development um, is just as important as getting the talent. They're, yeah, they're so you do thing. need to get some of the top guys in, but he's had two years where he, he's done that. He's gotten some guys in. The question is, does he play them? Does he develop them? Can he continue to get those types of guys? I like the pipeline at Mount Verde. Um, I know he's got two or three guys from Mount Verde wanting to come in for visits. I don't know that he'll get all of them, but that is a great pipeline if you can get that connection because those kids are better prepared um, playing at a, a in-between college and high school type level, in my opinion. So I'm more of a, a wait and see. It obviously would be a lot better if we had more we hit on the guys. I, I think that's an honest honest truth. And uh, to JD's question, I do think you can be excited about this year and concerned about the future because you want this year's feeling every single year. Um, And if you stop recruiting or you, you miss out on everyone two or three years in a row, then we're going to be back to uh, the lower expectations uh, that this conversation tonight has been. So I think you can be worried about both. I'm not worried in a grand sense, other than I wish it was better, but I'm more wait and see than, than a lot of people. Uh, Jeffrey Greider uh, says, uh, asked this, the, the, the read that the incident with X was behind us now. So how will that play out for possible future incidents? Um, how, does, how do coaches handle discipline? Is there a, a good prescribed way or, or is there not? Does one discipline decision often affect others or does it depend on the people, the program, a lot of other factors? It depends on what happens, what it is, when it happens. I mean, there's, you know, none of them are created equally. And so it looks like this is something that was handled in the off season. I think that it would be different if it happened in season, certainly. Um, But yeah, I think he's, you know, he says he's been pretty hard on him. And uh, if he's, if if it's behind him, that means they handle it in the off season. And uh, it, but I think if the same incident happens during the season, I think we're seeing a much different result. I think you're missing game time. I think you're, doing all this stuff. So um, I don't know how it'll play into into future events, but we've seen how Mike Woodson handles things. He suspended some guys last year uh, a couple different times. And, um, you know, from what we heard, he threw guys out of practice at times and things like that. So we'll, we'll see. Um, we're still learning him as a coach, quite frankly. Uh, it hasn't been that long. So we'll see what, what how he develops in that, in that uh, arena. Jeffrey, I said in the in previous in the show that I think you got to trust the coach, and I think you have to. I do think there's a legitimate question that uh, a violation of curfew was five quick suspensions the next day 
and yet something in my mind that was potentially a lot more dangerous um, is not getting the same discipline. But I go back to answer that question that I'm trusting Coach Woodson has understands that and has decided to do something different to get the point across, and you have to trust your leaders. Uh, if it turns out that the, another incident happens and, and all of a sudden you were seeing a lot of undisciplined decisions by basketball players under Mike Woodson, then you might be able to go back to this one and say, you know, he should have maybe done something different, set the tone, or he, he, he wasn't consistent early on. But I think you have to let that play out um, and trust trust your, your leader of your program. Hooperazzi asked about Logan Duncan. I think, Joel, that we talked about Logan. If he's getting more minutes like the players talked about and improving, that improves our depth. Uh, that also, as Ryan said, gets us a uh, future down the road when TJD and Race leave. I think that's just going to help us. Uh, it's a little bit surprising. But also, when guys are going five-on-five five or seven-on-seven, seven, uh, people are going to get a lot of run uh, at different spots in, in, in your preseason work. Uh, that doesn't always equate to getting time and getting run um, for that. And then there, there's two more real quick, uh, and I'm going to just let you answer this because you probably know more about the NBA than than I do. Um, Terrence Harper asks, how do you guys feel the possibility of NBA doing away with the one and done and going back to drafting eight year, 18-year-olds that will affect our program? I know there was a new thing coming out. Uh, can you shed some light on, on that new decision or yeah, possible that- new decision? NBA and the Players Association are discussing changing that rule back to allowing high schoolers to come in if they're 18 years old. Um, I think that you're essentially there now because a lot of kids are jumping to the G League and just playing a year there. And and you've seen it. Some guys be very successful and get drafted high uh, doing that. So um, I think you're essentially there now. Um, I don't think it's going to decimate the college game some people think it will but there's only so many draft picks there's only two rounds of the nba draft so it's not like you're gonna have the top hundred guys jumping to the nba you'll have a couple and it's guys who probably aren't gonna get the most out of the college experience anyway because they're leaving after a year um i do like having the best players in college basketball uh i also think though that some teams are kind of have done away with the spirit of the whole thing of going to college and when you load up on seven new one and dones every year to run your team i i that, that's within the rules it's completely legal but i also think it kind of ruins the spirit of college basketball which is guys who stick around and develop and and that's the most fun part of it and quite frankly there's a reason teams like villanova uh, programs like villanova wind up consistently being among the best whereas those one and done schools don't win titles that often and so I would say that, you know, very rarely are teams full of one and dones winning championships. I think there's something to that. I really do Agreed. because it's, it's almost a mercenary culture and, and it's again, completely legal. They're allowed to do it. It's just an interesting way to develop your program. And I don't think it uh, pays off in the way they believe it should. And this is a, a real interesting question to end on. Jeremy Paulin asked this um, how has deep knowledge of basketball helped you in your personal or business life from networking to parallels of coaching slash management slash teaching to personal character? What do you implement in your life that is directly related to your love of basketball? Well, I, you know, it's directly related to my uh, day job income. as a sports writer and income. Yes. So <laughs> I have to dive into that on a day near daily basis. No, um, I think from playing basketball, I developed a lot of, 
uh, life skills. And I think that I've always told my friends that if they have kids, get them in a team sport. You know, if they're really good at golf or tennis or whatever, encourage that, of course. But let them play a team sport at some level, because I think you learn a lot of life skills that you're going to need later. I think working well with others is a big thing. Uh, caring about something other than individual success is another and being compassionate towards others because it's on multiple people for you to succeed. Um, I think those are things that I developed that, you know, the skills that I developed playing a lot of team sports as a kid and every sport I played was a team sport. I didn't, I didn't play individual sports. I'm, I'm terrible at tennis golf, watching me golf. I mean, would be a comedy video. Um, I, I was a, a baseball, basketball, soccer guy growing up. And, um, I think it really helped me. I think, I think I, it helped me sort of socialize and, and understand, uh, that there are things in this world that are better than, that are bigger than just me being happy. Uh, and it's, it's working with a lot of people. And I think that's helped me in the business and, and work world too, is, you know, relying on other people to help you and being able to ask for help and be able to give help to people who are your teammates. And, um, I think that's a huge life lesson that, um, I think every kid should should be exposed to. Yeah, team sports are really, really, really um, important. I think camaraderie and learning to deal with people. Um, this basketball, the love of basketball uh, with the assembly call community, our Delphi bracketology um, has has given me a sense of community. Uh, it's actually calmed me down uh, evaluating the games. Uh, I don't yell and scream as a fan as I used to. I'd still do every once in a while. Um, I, I think when you're a leader, you try to find value. Uh, the coaching aspect of me, you try to find value in, in everyone and, and find what each player can do. Well, you do that as well um, in your work. Uh, you, you try to, to help. I, I just think, um, you know, not everyone's into sports, but man, I would be lost um, uh, without following sports, a, a sense of belonging. Um, the networking aspect, Jeremy, is, is huge. Uh, knowing people across the country involved in sports and bracketology, being able to sit with a guy from San Diego on a Thursday night um, is just a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of enjoyment and, and a lot of um, fulfillment. Uh, it just makes you, makes you feel good. So, you know, you don't have that if you don't have that love of basketball. And, and I'm sure there are communities around playing bridge or, you know, doing other things that, that you get a sense of community. But sports does allow, allow that. Um, but uh, the, the coaching aspect it helps you. You have to be a, an effective leader, an effective communicator in order to coach. So going through that process hopefully has improved my ability to do that in, in work uh, in, in our, in our um, assembly call thing. But I couldn't imagine a life uh, without three TVs down here and conversation going on and maybe a little betting app on the side, uh, live betting and just, you know, the meetups, all of those things. Um, I think it, it keeps me sane. So It's a, it's a uh, fuller life. Yeah, a, a lot of purpose um, in there. So That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right, Ryan, we're, we're ready to move on. Uh, so that'll do it for this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next Thursday. 
at our regular time. Until then. Take it from me, Juwan Morgan. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni. <laughs> hey, it's a good Thursday night when Mrs. Tonsoni's fired up. It is. Always is. It's a good any <laughs> night when she's fired up. We love That's that. right. She's got a new haircut today, so I got to go tell her how, how good it looks before. Tell her for too us, late. too. Even though I we will. can't see it, we know she looks good. That's right. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, all right, everybody, be good. Um, we're real close to some basketball. Uh, Hoosier Hysteria uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, get down there if you want to. I'm sure we'll have a, a show or a report or something about it. Um, so, enjoy. Be good. All right, Coach. We'll see you.